Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, today we're going to talk about the life of faith. The life of faith is one that every believer in this building is going to experience, maybe on different levels, maybe in different ways, but every believer has faith, every believer. And so we're going to stir up that faith and encourage you to maybe see things a little bit differently, and that's, that's a part of serving Christ almost on a daily basis to be challenged to see things differently. Um, Maybe you think right now somebody is your problem instead of realizing we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And there are demonic forces behind that person possibly that is causing chaos. Fight against the real enemy not against the person, amen? And so we're, our eyes are always being open to something. The life of faith is an incredible life as we follow Christ. Let's talk about, did we pray already? Yeah, we did. We prayed several times today, haven't we? Um, it's been a long week. <laughs> I'm dealing with some congestion so pray for me. We did pray, right? Okay. Anyway, and so um, there was a uh, farming community some years ago that um, were going through something that every farmer would dread to go through. In the early part of the year, they get out there, they plow their soil, they prepare it, they buy seed, um, they plan to fertilize it, they spend a lot of money, and they do all this labor, all this work, and then the day comes, they plant, and they're full of hope and expectation of a great harvest. And that's been the norm, maybe for years. But the corn gets up maybe four feet high, and something happens. It stops raining. It's called a drought, and a week goes by, two and three and four and five, and there's no moisture, and the corn starts shriveling up in the field, along with other plants that are planted. And for a farmer, this is devastating. He sees potential ruin. He sees setback, and I have experienced that myself growing up. We had a time like that. And this particular farming community was going through weeks of drought and so bad that they really all started praying and the pastors got in that community, got together and called a one-hour prayer meeting in the city square, town square. That Saturday, they all gathered together, hundreds of them, and they had told them to bring an object of faith well, 
Just showing up is an act of faith. Just praying is an act of faith. There were many aspects of faith to that prayer service, but they brought some of them crosses, Bibles, prayer books, and they gathered there to pray. And at the end of the prayer hour, a soft rain began to fall. And they became so excited, the pastor stood up and said, raise your symbol of faith to the air. And they raised up whatever they had brought to help inspire them. But one young boy raises something in the middle of that crowd that was a greater demonstration than all the other symbols. Do you know what it was? You should. It was an umbrella. Right in the middle of the crowd, a young kid leaving home that morning thought, we're going to pray for rain. It's going to rain. I'm bringing an umbrella. Maybe it was his faith. Maybe it was his faith uh, that caused the soft rain to begin to fall. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let me change gears a tad here, but it involves faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul is writing to the Roman church and the Romans, and he says, I'm not ashamed. I just want you to know I'm not ashamed. Now, let me give you a spiritual warning, as it were. I hesitate to use the word warning, but a spiritual admonition that what is to come ahead of us in America. We always have taught that um, the end time is near, and I think we have are starting to see the very strong evidence of pre-tribulation period. And don't worry, I still believe, as I've studied the Bible for many, many years, and that subject in particular, I believe there will be a catching away, uh, rapture uh, is the word used, of the church of Jesus Christ before the tribulation. But that does not mean we may not go through pre-tribulation uh, trouble and sorrows, and I'm seeing strongly things that I could never have imagined as a young man. I'm seeing a, a concentrated effort and focus in our country against what you and I believe. We are being called bigots. We are called all kinds of names. Uh, they uh, look at us as how could you be a, call yourself a Christian and believe that about others? And, and uh, what right do you have to believe that? Uh, we've seen in this COVID what people think of churches with threats from major city mayors saying, if, if you try to open, I'll shut you down for good. We'll take your property. Uh, we have heard all kind of things out of the words of men and women showing their disgust for churches. And so I just want to spiritually admonish you, don't ever be ashamed of this gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't ever, no matter what, no matter what happens, do not be ashamed of the gospel. A couple of weeks or so ago, two pastors in Canada were arrested. What was their crime? Opening their church building. 
when they were told not to. They did everything in the safety realm that they were practicing, but there were those, they don't care. And I told our guys this back when, back in March of last year. I said, guys, we're going, we're going to go ahead and close, but I want to let you know something. There are people that don't care if we ever open again. And I knew that, and, and I've seen it evidence now. But the good news is, by the grace of God, we're open. God's moving. God's saving. God's filling with the Holy Spirit. God is doing his work. But don't ever, whatever happens in the future, if I outlive you, don't ever, ever, ever become ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone, even those people that may be well-meaning and think they're totally right in their attitude toward Christians. But the enemy has deceived them. They are people who need Christ, and yet they're blinded to the gospel and their own need of Christ. For everyone, the Bible says, salvation is available for the Jew first and also for the Gentiles. For in it, for in this word, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We don't put our trust and our faith in anything but God. We put our trust ultimately in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So when Christ comes into a believer's or a person's life, they become a follower of Christ. Faith is deposited there, and it is the foundation of our walk with God. Without it, we're not able to please God. It's the substance, the, the uh, thing that our Christian life is built upon, our faith in Jesus Christ. It is the evidence of things not seen. Boy, I like this part. The evidence of things not seen. Well, faith is a vision of things unseen. You and I, as people of faith, can see things other people cannot see. And we do so in and by faith. We can see the unseen. If you have faith to see it, then Believe it, speak it, because you already see it. What do I mean? Well, you do see things. You look at a person who's unsaved, and maybe a relative has already said, they will never get saved. Have you ever said that about someone? They will never get saved. Well, let me tell you something. You got saved. There were people who didn't think you'd get saved, and you got saved, you're sitting here born again, loving Jesus. They're still in shock, all right? I told someone when I first got saved, I was in college. I told a friend of mine I grew up with in school that I got saved. You know what he did? He started laughing. He laughed and laughed and laughed. Uh, he, I hope he's not still laughing. But anyway, yes, he thought it was funny that I would give my heart to Christ. 
But uh, here, I'm getting lost here. Okay, so you and I see things that others do not see. You see a loved one that others have given up on. You see them born again. You can see them serving God with the eye of faith. Your marriage, you came to the marriage, uh, Better Marriage Conference. You can see your marriage getting better. Maybe there's no evidence yet. Maybe or very little evidence, but you are not giving up. You see by the eye of faith that your marriage is getting better and stronger and more Christ-like than ever before. And if you're here as a single person, you want to get married, you see yourself married to some godly, nice-looking person, all right? And uh, whatever suits you. But you can see it by the eye of faith. That's what faith allows us to do, to see it, what cannot be seen with the natural eye. In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. The only reason you believed, Thomas, is because you have seen me. Blessed, happy are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Christ is talking about you and I in the natural. We have never seen Jesus like Thomas did. But we saw him by faith, and he's as real to us as Thomas knew he was real standing before him. No, I've never seen him, but I know he's alive and well, thank God. He is alive, and he is still working miracles. He still loves you. He still has miracles waiting and faith for you. Well, poor Thomas. I don't ever call him doubting Thomas. Poor guy. He only doubted that one time and he got stuck with a uh, tag, all right? So let's liberate Thomas today. Let me ask you in this building, how many of you like to fish? Anybody here? All right, a bunch of, quite a bunch of fishermen in this building. I think on average, fishermen have more faith than the average person. Now, I don't really understand it because I'm not a fisherman. Okay, I have fished, and I've caught some big ones, all right? But uh, I'm not a fisherman by nature. It's not in me, all right? But uh, some of you are. And here's why I think uh, you have extraordinary faith, because you can drive by a lake or a pond, whatever you want, a retention pond, whatever. You can drive by, and you're like, I'm going fishing there. I'm going fishing there. And, and you have never seen one fish in there. You've never seen one with your natural eye. And yet, you're going to get up early one day. You're going to go to that pond you've never been to. You've never seen a fish there. And you have prepared yourself. You're real, you're rot, you're bait. And you are ready to catch fish that you've never seen. How do you know they're there? That's what I want to know. How do you know? When we dug this big old huge retention pond back here, we started talking about when we dug it out, we started thinking we're going we're to stock it with fish. And uh, it never happened. I don't know, remember why. But the incredible thing is we didn't put fish in there. 
But guess what? There's fish in there. And there's been people back there fishing before and catching fish in there that we didn't put in there. The mystery of God. Where did those fish come from? Now I know that they say birds carry eggs and all that. That's, that's miraculous too. I don't know. But there's fish in there. And fishermen know there's fish in every pond and every lake. And they go there and they fish. And the amazing thing about fishermen is this. They, they wouldn't be there if they didn't have faith that there were fish there. But the amazing thing about a real true fisherman is they don't give up easy. Now me, on a lot of things in life, I don't give up. Fishing is one thing I have no problem giving up after 15 or 30 minutes. An ideal day at the lake, fishing, is getting in a boat that's got a cover over it, and uh, no, <laughs> but getting in a boat and throwing out and catching about a 10-pound bass the first time, and, and then have some actually jump into the boat, all right? So we gather them up. And in about 30 minutes, we got more fish than we can eat, all right? So we're out of here. But you that are, I don't know what's, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know how you function. But years ago, even before I came here, so I don't want anybody to think I'm talking about anybody here. Years before, before I came here, uh, I got in a boat with a guy that was a relative that was a fisherman. And we started fishing and we didn't catch anything. And after about an hour, I'm like, I'm dying. I want to out of there. And I'm, uh, and I'm like, you know, well, what do you think? Oh, we're going to catch some. It didn't phase him at all. He looked like he was having the time of his life. And I was having the time of my life. I was like, my God, get me off of this boat. An hour goes by. Two hours goes by. We're going into three plus. And I'm like, we're not catching fish. It's time we're out of here. But he finally gave it up, and I was like, thank you, God, thank God. I didn't say it in front of me. I, I was like, so glad to get out of there. Uh, fishermen would just stay there. You remember one time the guys, the disciples were on the boat, and Jesus said, you catch any fish? And it was Peter, I think, that said, we fished all night, we'd caught nothing. How could they have stayed out there all night and caught nothing? And Jesus said, oh, we'll throw it over on the right side. And they're like, there's several reasons there because they fished at night because the water was so clear the fish wouldn't see the nets. But now he's saying in the broad daylight, throw the net out. And they pulled it in full of fish so much so they couldn't even hardly drag it to the shore. Well, you fishermen are something else. You don't give up easy. You see things other people don't see. You have faith to believe. And I think that gives us an insight to every one of us. We need to look at that situation. The fishermen may be looking at a pond. You look at that situation you're facing, and you see something. You see a miracle when nobody else sees a miracle. Go ahead. Think about it right now. Think about that situation, that person, that your financial plight, whatever. Think about it and see a miracle. You don't see anything happening, but 
Keep believing like that fisherman keeps casting. Keep believing for a miracle. Real fishermen never give up. Never give up. Wow. They just don't give up. And you say, well, Pastor, uh, it's, a, it's easy for me to uh, falter when nothing happens. It's easy for all of us. But get determination, get persistence in your soul and your spirit, and don't ever say again what I've heard Christians say. Don't ever say this, I don't have faith. Yes, you do. That is not true. You do have faith. Every believer in this building has faith, and you have more faith than you need to see the miracles you actually need right now. So there are people that come to the altar and they say, I need more faith. Pray for me to have more faith. Though, get your word out. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Get your word out, read it, and start doing it, all right? And your faith will grow. There are others that come, say, pray for me, I just need more love. And the word and the spirit is saying, tomorrow, go to work and start loving that person you don't like, all right? Pray for them that despitefully use you. Love those uh, that are doing you wrong and start loving those and your faith and your love will grow. And then if you come to this altar and say, I just need more patience. God didn't cause 2020, but God says, you've gone through 2020 and you still don't have patience for heaven's sakes. Every one of us had enough faith to go through 2020. You realize that? Now listen, I, there are some, you're, you haven't been out of the house in almost a year. Uh, I challenge you, you cannot, you cannot get into fear. We, you, I want you to get into faith, whatever that means for you. Don't live by anything other than faith and what God wants you to do. I'm not implying that every person listening doesn't have faith. Of course not. That's ridiculous. You have faith. And live by, don't let fear squeeze you in. So where do you get, get faith from? You get it from the word of God. And then you practice it and you do it. The scriptures are faith, food, faith, food. Every believer in this church, thank God has faith and more than enough to have taken us through 2020. I know there were some down times and there were some struggles just like there was for me. They'll be for you. But what the enemy wanted to do was immobilize the church and the Christians, and he wanted to get us all discouraged. Well, we're not discouraged, thank God. We know that we serve a mighty God, and he's going to do incredible things. And he turns everything around for our good. But the devil wants us full of fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. You can't be a person of faith and have fear and so get rid of that fear. The news media in 2020 did everything possible to scare everybody nearly to death. But we don't listen to them. We take the word of God. We choose God's spirit and God's word over anything that may be coming in full of fear. Faith draws God's presence. Fear draws darkness and despair and depression Fear immobilizes. I read this week that in the UK, um, 
that they have a ban on hugging family members. And when I heard this, I'm like, or read this, I'm like, this is incredible. Just incredible. What a different world this would be if everybody knew Christ and walked in faith. And I'm not saying to throw out safeguards. I'm not implying that. But no hugs, family members, until May 17th. Now, I recommend being on the safe side and waiting until the 18th, all right? But anyway, uh, 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 yeah, I think it's all right to make fun of this. So this is absurd. And if you do hug them, the first fine, if they catch you, is $281. And it goes on. If you keep hugging your family members and you get caught, then it will go all the way up to $9,000. That's some pretty expensive hugs, all right? And uh, I just thought, my God, have mercy. Something that people want to do, uh, they need uh, to be hugged. Uh, and uh, my God, have mercy. The mindset of this world is so contrary to the word. Uh, you know, I know COVID is real. I also know Jesus is real. I also know faith is real. And faith triumphs fear. Now, let me read you a verse. And I Gotta, you don't, don't lose me now. Stay with me. Don't leave early, all right? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Boy, I love this verse. I want faith assembly. Faith assembly, I believe, by and large, is this verse, all right? We are bound to thank God. Always for you, Paul says, to, about the church in Thessalonica. Brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith does what? Grows. Your faith grows. You don't think they were having tribulation? You don't think they were having some hard times? Of course. But their faith was growing exceedingly, Paul says. And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. That's a sign of faith. Great faith is abounding love toward others, even those that are not lovable. Faith grows exceedingly. Wow. Well, I've heard that if you want to have muscles, you got to work out. And um, there have been many times through the years in spurts here and there that I've worked out. I, I just wonder if I'd stayed consistent years ago. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, um, I want to compare faith be to some weights because we brought those out to illustrate it. Um, faith. When you are born again, you have faith, and you never lose that, that, that faith is there. And so you start operating in faith. And I admit, when I first came to this church, I had very little operative faith, all right? And uh, I literally, I almost felt like I, you know, when I gave altar calls, I almost felt like I should have responded. And uh, so, you know, I just wasn't very mature in, in faith. And yet, I had a great, I had a work ethic, a great one, yes. And so, I applied myself. I did what I knew to do. And God started being faithful. And things started happening. And the more I saw God moving, the more I didn't walk in faith. And my faith grew. And, and 10 years or so later, when I became senior pastor, uh, my faith was, you know, was, had grown much more, but... I still had a ways to go, and then we, we talked about building a building over there, and, and, uh, and did, 
And yet we looked at that and we were at a place where financially we could uh, handle it. And so we did have faith. We stepped out. We built that building along with, of course, the help of hundreds and hundreds of people. One certainly wasn't just me. But exercising our faith, obeying the direction of the Holy Spirit will build faith muscles. If you want to have great faith muscles for tomorrow, you've got to start working out today in the faith that you have operating where you are. But over time, over time as you react to the word or act on the word, I should say, act on the word and God works, performs his miracles and you step out, you speak faith, you see things others don't see, your faith grows. Sometimes God uses interesting ways to nudge us forward. But then one day, God uses you to do something that totally astounds you. And it humbles you. And he gets all the glory. And even though too many men may try to give too, uh, too many people the glory instead of God, always give God the glory. Ultimately, always give God the glory. But we brought these weights, and the guys are going to help me. Aren't you guys? Oh, thank God they're there. Okay. Um, they're going to help me. But see, that one says 300 pounds on the side of it, doesn't it? Uh, if, if you can't lift this 50 or 60, whatever it is, then you will never be able to lift that. And so you start out with where you are. In faith, this is a faith walk. And so you start out lifting what God has placed in your life and the opportunity that he has given you. You lift the 60. That's where you're at. And you keep lifting it, and then maybe you lift a 70 and a 100. And eventually, you'll find yourself possibly even lifting a 300-pounder. So I'm, I'm going to step down and illustrate, and these guys are going to help. Okay, there we go. Hit my head in first service. Okay, this is, this is pretty, you don't have to tell me, guys. I got this, all right? Okay, okay, so take that one. Now, that was easy, but uh, these guys are going to help because, are you guys praying? Uh, I, I need you to really be, don't drop it on me, guys. Oh, my God. I need you to be praying Oh, Lord, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Help me, guys. Whoa. Now. How many of you believe that's 300 pounds? How many of you don't? That's your problem. That is your problem. You don't believe in me. You let good sense get in your way, didn't you? All right, so. But these guys, are, they call them spotters. And when I saw those guys standing there last night, and I thought, you know, some would look at this 
facility and what God's doing here and say, well, that's a, that's a 300 pound of faith. But I didn't lift it by myself. Literally thousands of people stepped in with their faith. You, you, you in the atrium. People stepped in with their faith and said, let me help you with that, Pastor. We're going to do this together. And when you do it together, you can accomplish incredible things for God. Don't be a loner in your faith because you may be the one stepping out. You may be the one leading the charge, but you're looking at others say, pray with me. Pray with me. Stand with me. We can do this together. And you can accomplish incredible things by the grace of God. There's a scripture in closing. And guys, I'm going to go right to that. There's a scripture that says, Paul's writing to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the last scripture. I don't even know if it's highlighted there, guys. Just listen to it. Paul says to the Corinthian church, a church full of people, or as he knew, they were believers, but he says this, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Paul wrote that letter to the Corinthian church, the first letter and then the second letter, and he was dealing mostly with Christians, but he knew there were some there that had never been born again. He knew or thought there were some there that other people there thought they were believers, but he's saying to them, I want you to examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Look at yourself. Am I really, am I really in the faith? Today, the good news is, if you're not, you can be before you walk out of this building. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.